Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for January 22nd, 2017. On today's show, we're going to be talking about a bunch of news, including a secret new Crocodile Dundee movie, the future of Inhumans, Dune remake comparisons, Incredibles 2 cast and details, Star Wars The Last Jedi and 40X, MoviePass becomes a distributor, the new Cloverfield movie, Body Gets dist- Distribution, and Sword in the Stone Gets a Director. So we got a lot of news because uh, obviously I've, I've been gone and we've been running uh, banked shows. So we're going to get into the last week of news that we have not covered. This is Peter Serrata and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home Managing Editor, Jacob Hall. Hello, hello. And Slash Home Writers, Huay Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello. So the Sundance rejects have uh, <laughs> come back together. <laughs> uh, Chris uh, was not able to make it to Sundance because he he was very sick. Uh, Chris, how are you feeling? Uh, today is the first day I haven't felt sick, but unfortunately now my wife is sick, so <laughs> no. the, the sickness still permeates my house, so I can't escape it. Yeah, like everything that could have went wrong for this year's Sundance for Slash Home went wrong. Um, 
as you heard in previous versions of the podcast, I uh, slipped and fell and broke my wrist, uh, sending me home. And uh, yesterday, on, on Friday, I went to uh, a uh, orthopedic surgeon uh, to check out my wrist. I had already gotten X-rays in Park City, and uh, they X-rayed my uh, hand again. Uh, basically, it seems like the the fracture I have in my wrist is the worst possible fracture you can have without absolutely needing surgery. And um, the luckily the luckiest thing happened was when this happened, it happened right across the street from the urgent care. Um, so when it happened, I, we Ben and I went to the urgent care and they put my uh, arm into a splint, which has kept it uh, relatively um, straight. And uh, usually you need surgery when it's kind of like been off the rotation a little bit. Um, so luckily, I think because of that, um, I might not need surgery. Uh, we're going to wait until next week and get another x-ray and see how it uh, settles after the swelling has gone down. But um, but I'm glad to be home and not being this in the snow and uh, <laughs> not, feeling, not having the fear that I'm going to fall every five seconds in the snow. <laughs> And uh, re-injured myself. Uh, I- I'm on a lot of drugs right now. Uh, I'm not sure if you can tell, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So I'm um, I'm happy to be home, and I'm happy to talk to you guys. Let's dive into some news because there's been a lot going on since I've been away, including um, apparently before I left for Sundance, there was no such thing as a Crocodile Dundee movie. And now there's a Crocodile Dundee movie that's coming out starring Danny McBride. And there's a trailer already released. Chris, what is going on here? Yes. So this story, it broke on Friday. And actually today, as we were getting ready for the podcast, a new uh, addition to the story broke, <laughs> which uh, I'm I'm continuing to be at a loss for this. So, yeah, the, the trailer broke on Friday, revealing that this is a possible Crocodile Dundee sequel Starring Danny McBride as uh, Crocodile Dundee's long-lost son, who has to go to Australia to find his missing father. And, uh, you know, obviously no one knew about this, which makes us all suspicious, especially, you know, people like us who cover movies. We would have heard about this, possibly. But the fact that there's a trailer, there's a cast, it just seems... Maybe this is fake, but we, we, and then, we should say that some some things like this have happened in the past, where like you know, G.J. Uh, Abrams unveiled that there was a Cloverfield sequel out of an uh, out of nowhere, right? Right, and, yeah, that's uh, like the and, biggest example. And there was a Blair Witch sequel out of nowhere, but in both of those cases, we knew that the film was shot. It was under a, a different working title. We knew the cast. We knew everything about it. Like, in this case, we didn't even know anything was shot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, those those other secret movies, you know, we were aware of them as movies and then they just changed their titles. This there was no word about it. And out of nowhere, there's it's here. And then today, uh, news broke that Chris Hemsworth is also apparently in the cast as well. Um, I'm very and they, I'm and they revealed this with another teaser trailer showing Chris Hemsworth in the movie. Right, yeah. I, I'm skeptical. I a, a part of me wants this to be real because I want this to be a real weird, possibly terrible movie, and I want to go see that. But um, the consensus seems to be now that this is possibly leading up to 
a Super Bowl trailer, possibly for Australian tourism, which which makes the most sense. But again, I'm I'm secretly hoping this is real and we're going to see this actual movie this summer. And, and usually I think you'd write something like this off as a parody, but it's so beautifully shot. And I think that makes sense, uh, your theory that it could be for Australian tourism. Um, right. J- Jacob, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, I wrote the second trailer, and my initial gut reaction to both of them was, wow, this is really beautiful looking. This looks like a real movie. This has to be real. But then the moment it was brought up tourism ad for Super Bowl, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, just the idea of a ad campaign built around Dan McBride being the American who bumbles his way into Australia and beautiful. It's such a strong hook for an advertisement. And Crocodile Dundee is recognizable enough that people will latch onto that and find the idea amusing. But there's no way that concept makes money. So it just it makes so much sense that it's for an ad campaign. Um, and watching this uh, second trailer... I love the idea of Chris Hemsworth in full lovable goofball mode being in a movie with Danny McBride. So they should make that happen, even if this movie is fake. And I do think it is very, very fake. Yes. And even the poster says coming soon, mate. So they haven't released a release date that I don't know. I think I think you guys are right. I think this is the Super Bowl ad. Um, But we'll we'll have to wait and see. I'm wondering what other what other surprising actors do you think they can uh, surprise us with uh, leading up to Super Bowl? (laughs) Like. (laughs) Um, I mean, they got to have Crocodile Dundee himself reprising his role, right? Well, they mentioned Paul Hogan on the film's website. Uh, they yeah. mentioned, like, they say uh, Brian Dundee, Danny Bride character, is looking for his father, in parentheses, Paul Hogan. So my guess is that this whole thing climaxes with the reveal of, hey, here's Paul Hogan uh, once again wearing the hat. Right. There was also a uh, a People magazine story on Friday when the when the trailer broke that had an interview with Paul Hogan saying he is in the movie. So... Uh, movie in quotes quote-unquote movie so um, i'm sure he'll show up eventually and then maybe other australian actors like maybe nicole kidman will show up or something like that (laughs) i i am i am surprised that they are doing this under the guise of a crocodile dundee movie like how many people these days have seen crocodile dundee like that isn't a touchstone movie right I haven't seen it. I've only I've only heard of it. So I only know of the Crocodile Dundee series in Legend, but I have never actually seen the original movies. So there you go. The uh, the voice of the uh, slash the film millennial. millennial. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's move on uh, to Inhumans. Uh, Inhumans. It's maybe apparently been canceled. Jacob, what do we know? We don't know anything for sure. ABC has not officially canceled Inhumans. But this begins with the website Spoiler TV noting that if you go to the ABC press site and click on Inhumans, you get an error message. It no longer exists on the press website. It has been wiped clean. It has vanished like it vanished from IMAX theaters last year. And uh, this doesn't doesn't mean Inhumans is canceled officially, uh, but ABC's uh, entertainment president, Channing Dungy, uh, did say diplomatically a few weeks ago, it didn't perform for us at the level that we would have wanted. We we haven't made any official decision yet about what we're going to pick up in May. But I will say that the numbers, unfortunately, were less exciting for us than we hoped they would be. Yeah. So and it, I think it, even IMAX, sounds, yeah. I think even IMAX expressed their disappointment a little bit in in the series. Yeah, publicly, IMAX publicly said yeah. we did not, we were not happy with that, and it got pulled very quickly. It was supposed to run for a few weeks up until the show premiered in 
on television because the whole idea was first two episodes shot on IMAX, released in IMAX theaters. A few weeks later, show proper debuts in ABC. It was supposed to be a big event. And nobody saw it in theaters. It was pulled very quickly. And those who did see it uh, reported that it looks like a cheap ABC show projected on IMAX. And the IMAX cameras make it look even cheaper. So those who did see it were let down. It didn't do great ratings. Nobody really liked it. The critics destroyed it. And the narrative of it, of it blurring the line between film and television just went up in smoke. And, and nobody's talked about it. Like, nobody's up until now because a over on change.org, that place where everyone can have a voice, a new petition has been launched where all 14 of the film's fans are trying to <laughs> demand a season two. I say 14 fans is a joke, but the, the, at, at this time, the petition does have less than 1,000 signatures, which is nothing. And I find the petition itself telling, because if you look at a lot of these geek petitions, which you should usually roll your eyes at them, they're usually total nonsense. Uh, they usually, like for example, the recent petitions to demand the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League are very righteous, they're very, we demand this art, we demand this thing that was taken from us, how dare you hide the thing we deserve. Whereas the petition for Inhumans is actually kind of sad because it, it says, we're, we know it's not great, but if the show goes away, we'll never get to see these characters on screen again, and we want them to have a second chance. So it's actually really, really sad when I actually read it, as opposed to being like this righteous anger about how Inhumans was great, don't cancel it. It was, please, we, we, we love these characters as comic book characters, please don't put a bolt on their head. So the, the show is not coming back, but the petition... Ended up being. Well, I thought I was going to read it and laugh at it. I ended up reading it and going, "Oh, I, I, I kind of empathize, even though this is a very silly thing." But yeah, we'll we'll know in May for sure. But Inhumans isn't coming back. I, I will. I'll put money on that. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I think the most surprising thing about this petition is that there are actually fans of this TV series, or people that want to see more of it. Um, I, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of like. Um, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., every year, you know, I hear people telling me, oh, it's actually good this season. You, you know, you should give it a chance again. <laughs> I, I'm one of those defenders of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I will say that at its worst, it's just a little dull. But it still does some of the tightest, most compelling character work I've seen on primetime TV, or at least network TV. Um, and it's, yeah, it's consistently okay essentially <laughs> i love that pr- praise I, I i hope that that is on next season's tv ads it's consistently okay consistently okay it's a Flash great film. laundry it's a great laundry folding show is what i like to call it <laughs> i used to, used to watch it was always my laundry show i'd get do my laundry while that show was on and then i stopped watching but yeah, <laughs> that was always my thing um Okay, let's talk about the Dune remake coming from Denis, uh, the, the director of Blade Runner 2049 Arrival. Uh, he is now saying that the Dune remake that he is doing is going to be Star Wars for adults. But isn't Star Wars Star Wars for adults? HT, I'm a little confused here. Well, Denis Villeneuve uh, is working on his passion project, Dune, which is still in early development at this point. It hasn't been picked up by a studio yet. But he says he told fandom in an interview that, um, quote, most of the main ideas of Star Wars are coming from Dune. So it's going to be a challenge to tackle this. The ambition is to do the Star Wars movie I never saw. In a way, it's Star Wars for adults. We'll see. 
So he is right in saying that a lot of the Star Wars, um, the ideas from Star Wars came from Dune. George Lucas has said that he was highly influenced by the Dune novel um, in making his original Star Wars script, the desert planets, the tyrannical dictator, um, those kind of ambitious avant-garde sort of ideas. And he kind of condensed it into a, a much more uh, easy to digest adventure film, uh, which he did say when uh, he first made the Star Wars series, he made it for kids, not just for adults. So at this point, Star Wars has sort of encompassed more of a wider audience. It's not just for kids, it's, but it's also for everyone, essentially. So I think what Denis Villeneuve is saying is he's trying to do a Star Wars movie, or at least with Dune, he's doing a movie that Star Wars could be if it were to go extremely dark and weird and very sort of hard to as a little harder to digest than like the Star Wars movie we see today. Well, I, I am a fan of his work, so I am excited to see this. Uh, but let's move on to Incredibles 2. Uh, Disney, who is always on the cutting edge of technology, uh, you've probably seen this in your Instagram feeds and Facebook feeds, you know, people using this uh, Google Arts and Culture app to see what uh, painting they are they most look like. Um, and Disney used this as a way to announce the new cast for Incredibles 2. Uh, Chris, what, what do we know about this new cast and what have we learned about the film from from this announcement? Uh, yeah, so the cast announcement, um, it, it was very big. It was a big lineup of, of voice talent. Um, uh, origi- you know, the original stars are coming back, Holly Hunter, Craig T. Nelson, Sa- Sarah Vail, Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, but it also announced the, the new members of the cast. Uh, Bob Odenkirk has joined the cast. He's playing a world-class telecommunication telecommunications company uh, leader who uh, he works alongside his sister who's played by Catherine Keener and um, you know their bios make them sound uh, like good characters but it, it's pretty clear they're going to probably turn out to be the villains I mean Catherine Keener's character is literally named Evelyn Dev- Dever which is evil endeavor if you you know deconstruct <laughs> it Um uh, who else is in? Uh, Sophia Bush is in it. She's playing a new uh, new superhero character named Void, who has the power to divert and manipulate objects around her by creating voids. Um, Isabella Rossellini is in it, playing an ambassador. So, uh, you know, the details of the film are still—they're not, you know, all out there yet. But we you know we know the plot involves uh, Jack Jack, the baby, coming into his own with his powers and. This just gives us a, a vague but interesting look at what the film is going to be like and, you know, where the direction it's going in. Well, uh, Bob Odenkirk's character is a fan of superheroes. So w- would that be kind of in line with what we saw in the first film? Because wasn't. Um... Right. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. I forget the guy's name. I can't name. remember the character's name. Syndrome. 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 Yes. Yeah. Yeah. His whole thing was he was a big fanboy. Um, my guess from this is they're going to set it up to make it seem like. Bob Odenkirk's character is the villain, but then it's going to be a a twist to make it Catherine Keener's character is the actual villain. But I could be wrong. We'll we'll know for sure when the film comes out uh, in the summer, June fifteenth. 
And of, of course, telecommunications means they could be spying on everybody in the world and, you know, have data on everybody. I'm, I'm sure that's like, you know, the new the new thing here uh, in Pixar always, uh, you know, since I think like Andrew Stanton has cast a lot of TV actors, you, you know, you have two characters here from Better Call Saul. You you know, th- there's a lot of TV actors here. Um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what what they do in th- this film. I This is one of my most anticipated movies of the year. We, we talked about it previously on the podcast. Uh, let's move back to Star Wars Last Jedi. Um, Star Wars Last Jedi was released in a number of different formats, including IMAX, uh, 4DX. In the 4DX screenings in Japan, it allowed viewers to choose to be on the light or dark side of the Force, and that gave you a different experience. Jacob, what do we know? Well, it's interesting because even while Last Jedi has performed very poorly in China, it's doing really good business in Japan, uh, where... They're offering this really interesting sounding experience. You've probably heard of 4DX by now. It's where you sit in a special chair and there's special effects where your chair will rock. There'll be fog. There'll be mist. Maybe even some heat to help simulate uh, what's happening on screen. Sort of the theme park version of the movie. Uh, But the Japan 4DX version uh, lets you choose between light side and dark side. Uh, And I'm going to quote this from The Hollywood Reporter. Uh, the experiences are tailored to give audiences different perspectives based on which side they choose. So that means that um, while there's going to be tilting and strobe lights and wind and fog, they're going to kick in and be emphasized at different moments depending on which side you have picked. Uh, the details beyond that are a little scarce. I'm not sure that means like maybe it's a little bit more of an exciting experience where the good guys are winning if you pick the light side. Maybe it's a bit more of an exciting experience if you are the bad guys and the First Order has the edge in that particular scene. Uh, but it, it definitely costs a little more money. It's $25 or uh, in American currency or uh, $28.85 for the 3D version. It's one of those things where I don't you don't see this kind of weirdness happening stateside. I don't know if this is the kind of uh, experience that would catch on in North America or at least amongst American audiences. But I, I love this exists. I love that it's in Japan. And as our own uh, Ben uh, Pearson wrote in this article, it's probably not the way you want to see the movie for the first time. But when you see it for the third or fourth time, you know, go pick the side you want and get the full experience. Yeah, I, I've, I've talked a bit about 4DX on this podcast and the Slash Homecast in the past. I've tried it multiple times. Uh, it, I, I, it's it's not a great experience. <laughs> it, uh, it, in so much as I think it could be a cool experience if the, the features of it were used sparingly and to some effect. But I think uh, since you're paying $25, I think they want to, you know, throw in as many effects in every single scene as possible. And it's kind of more distracting than anything else. But the thing that about this that I think interests me is the idea that we could all go to the same movie in the same movie theater and have different experiences or have two different experiences uh, based on where we're sitting. Um, I don't think that has ever happened before. I, I, I mean, I do remember, you know, Kevin Smith and some other filmmakers have released commentary tracks on MP3 that you could bring into the movie theater, like, you know, the second or third week of release. And, uh, I remember, you know, uh, people wearing their headphones in a, you know, in like Clerks 2, I think it was, you know, laughing at parts of the movie that were not funny because they're laughing at the commentary track that they're listening to. Uh, so, I mean, that could be distracting in itself, but uh, um, I, I don't think this is going to be something that's going to catch on in stateside. Uh, this sounds like uh, one of Chris's worst fears in going to the movie theater. 
Yeah, I don't think I could uh, handle this. It's just giving me anxiety just thinking about it. So no. <laughs> At one point, we tried to bribe Chris to go to New York to to see to, to experience Geostorm in 4DX, and uh, that did not happen. No, it was it was it was not to be. Uh, we've been talking a lot about Movie Pass and uh, you know their plans for domination. You know they already have over a million and a half. Uh, uh, subscribers, and uh, we've been talking about how they're making money on by advertising movies to get more people to see those movies. It now seems like they're going to be entering the distribution game. HD, what do we know? Yeah, so in a bold move, MoviePass has uh, for, formed its a new venture called MoviePass Ventures, which is a subsidiary co-founded uh, founded to co-acquire films with film distributors. So this means that it will be going to festivals such as Sundance and um, acquiring them alongside other film studios or distributors, which is a bold move for the subscri- subscription service, which um, I we all kind of assumed, I think, would be going into the streaming service next, uh, but instead is now going in the opposite direction um, and trying to put more movies into theaters, uh, which seems actually like it would benefit in them in the long run. Uh, so we've seen how um, in, they've recently been trying to advertise um, movies like I, Tanya and uh, indie films like Three Billboards uh, outside of Elbing, Ebbing, Missouri, Call Me By Your Name, and The Shape of Water to its users. And apparently this has been sort of their dry run for um, seeing how they can take steps into the film acquisition market and see how how much of the domestic box office they would be purchasing if they would have were to heavily market these films. So they will be starting with Sundance Film Festival in co-acquiring these films, and they're going to be moving on to South by Southwest next. Now, to me, this doesn't make any sense because they already have these subscribers. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess maybe they're turning into the Netflix distribution model of, you know, they, they're acquiring content and getting their subscribers to go to that content. Um, I mean, what do you guys think? Uh, J- Jacob, Chris, do you guys have any thoughts on this? I think it's a really good way to lose more money. <laughs> yeah, my question is, where are they getting all this money to help? buy movies at film festivals because we know that this isn't a really uh, the current model that they're at isn't very substantial in the long run um so i'm not really sure how they have enough cash to help acquire these films i mean they haven't even figured out customer service yet i don't know how they're (laughs) going to figure this out like there are people who you know haven't even received their cards yet and they've paid for them months ago i don't this this seems like they're they're putting the cart before the horse here. They they, they should probably work on other things before they launch into this. But uh, I don't know. I'm just wondering how much do you think these smaller you know indie movies cost to acquire uh, theatrical distribution rights too? Like, do you think like if you acquire a documentary at Sundance? Um, I, we always hear about these million dollar deals, but those are like you know big films with big actors. Do you think like, you know, a small documentary, you know, is acquired for, you know, $20,000? Like, in that much, maybe it isn't that much money to acquire these films. But, yeah, I just don't get the end game here. I mean, yeah, I I don't get it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, they say in their their statement with this announcement that this will uh, sort of, 
provide more downstream revenue theatrically and in streaming. So it seems like they think there'll be some sort of trickle down effect if they, you know, um, fun, if they invest more in the theatrical runs of these movies, then they'll get more money in the long run. But I'm not really sure what the strategy is there. It sounds bonkers. It sounds like <laughs> I, I don't know what they're trying. It, it sounds like a completely ill-fated move. I, mean, I wish them best. Movie Pass, we like you. We like you a lot, but but please be careful. Don't don't ruin your own, don't ruin your core system because you want to be a, a big boy like this. It's not cool. Well, the the whole new Silicon Valley thing is building a subscriber base, and you don't need to be making money. You could be losing lots of money. It's just you need to have like millions and millions of people that are giving you money. Um, so I'm wondering if if they could if they're trying to do the same thing from a theatrical distribution standpoint, if they think they can become a mega power in a, a, a movie studio by releasing these films that a lot of people are seeing but still be losing money. I don't know, it doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me. I, I I don't know. Um but let's uh let's talk about um the new Cloverfield sequel, which was called God Particle. It's been delayed four five times maybe um the viral arg has heated up uh chris what is going on right now with the cloverfield sequel uh yeah so the the viral marketing for the the third cloverfield movie is starting up again um just like the viral marketing for the previous two movies it's you know it's it's cool to think about it's neat that it's out there but Ultimately, it's going to have very little to do with the film itself. Um, so far, there's been two websites found. Uh, you can you can get the URLs for them on slashfilm.com, um, but they don't really give away much. They're they're really encrypted messages. I mean, one is just a a landing page, and the other is a a bunch of like staticky imagery with a a, a garbled message in the background. And, you know, on Reddit, people are pouring over this. They're, you know, they're just deconstructing it like it's the Zapruder film. They're, you know, they're they're playing all the angles. And it's fun. I, I, I do appreciate that. I do like reading it. But uh, as anyone remembers the previous two Cloverfield movies and the viral marketing for that, it's going to ultimately play very little in the actual movie. I mean, this is probably just leading up to an eventual trailer for the film, which is going to be due out any day now since the film is supposed to come out in April. And we we don't even have a title for this film, but uh, people have spotted a new title for this movie. HT, what could this movie be called? Yeah, speaking of Reddit sleuths, they have, uh, there's a new Reddit thread that posits the potential title for this untitled third Cloverfield movie will be Cloverfield Station. So this is based off of a Redditor who discovered an FX lighting artist named Rui or Ray Zhu on LinkedIn, uh, who listed under his credits Cloverfield Station. Um, and this could be chalked up to sort of unsubstantiated rumors, but then a Facebook and Instagram account have also been discovered for the title, as well as domains for CloverfieldStation.com and CloverfieldStationMovie.com. But at the same time, we should take this all with a grain of salt because people, mischievous internet users might have created these domain names or um, claimed these domain names after the Reddit thread went up to sort of stir things up a little bit. Um, so the actual viral marketing for um, the formerly known as the God Particle movie hasn't actually revealed the title. And this would be an unusual way for us to learn of the title for the Cloverfield movie because um, the last couple 
the last movie, 10 Cloverfield Lane, we learned the title in, in a trailer uh, about two months before the movie's release. Um, and the other, the original Cloverfield movie, Cloverfield was actually an, a working title for it. But then the hype for around that teaser trailer grew so much that they ended up keeping that original title. So it would be very strange if we learned that the title would be Cloverfield Station through a LinkedIn post, but I wouldn't put it past um, the marketing team behind Cloverfield to just kind of be very uh, closed off with the secrets around this movie. It And it does make sense, actually, for this film to be titled Cloverfield Station, if a bit on the nose, because it takes place supposedly um, based on the original script that was bought by Bad Robot Productions. It takes place in a space station uh, above Earth where the astronauts find that Earth has has uh, surprisingly vanished. So it would be a title that makes sense, but it wouldn't have quite the punch that the God Particle has. Yeah, uh, we're, we're going to have to find out, but I, I think Chris is right. I think we're going to see a trailer for this uh, in the coming days or weeks um, because the movie is still coming out uh, slowly or quickly. Uh, you know, it keeps on getting delayed, but it, 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 it's fastly approaching us yet again. Um, let's jump ahead to uh, to Disney's live action movies. They're, you know, they're trying to adapt all of their animated classics uh, in quotation marks, uh, into uh, live-action movies. And the latest is Sword in the Stone, which has gotten a director. Chris, tell us about it. Yeah, so Juan Carlos Fresnadillo. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, and if so, I, I apologize profusely. Uh, he directed 28 Weeks Later, the sequel to 28 Days Later, and he has been hired to direct the live-action Disney Sword in the Stone which is, of course, a retelling of the legend of King Arthur pulling Excalibur from the stone. Um, I'm actually, you know, even though Disney is slowly but surely remaking all their animated films, I'm surprised they're going with this because we just had a King Arthur movie uh, directed by Guy Ritchie, who is directing the live-action Aladdin right now, and it did not do well at the box office. It, it, it bombed, as a matter of fact. So it's kind of strange that... They would go ahead with another King Arthur movie, but I guess Disney is very confident since all their movies are hits. So I, I guess they feel like they're they're confident enough that they can get away from the stink of that previous King Arthur movie. Yeah, but that King Arthur movie was—I mean, I never saw it, but I assume it was you know a serious take on uh, on the property, oh, and it was. I mean, I I don't know how serious I would call it. <laughs> Uh, I saw it recently. It's it's very goofy, but yeah, I, I see what you're saying. It, it was it was geared more towards adults, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm betting that this film will have like some CG animals and will have um, yeah, you know, the comic relief uh, character played by Johnny Depp or someone like him. <laughs> um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Uh, it does seem weird. Uh, a weird choice in director. For this property, um, were, were either of you fans of 20 week, 10, 28 weeks later? I, I really liked it actually. I, I like twenty eight days later, and I thought twenty eight weeks later was a surprisingly good sequel. I because uh, I didn't really think when I saw twenty eight days later, I didn't think, oh, that needs a sequel. But when I saw the sequel, I was like, oh, that's a very impressive way to do a sequel to this film. But it's true that he has this director has only really made very dark film so it is weird that they would go after him for this unless they want to make this a very dark 
<laughs> adaptation. I don't know. Yeah, it's a strange choice. Although I will say that the Disney uh, adaptation of Sword in the Stone, Sword in the Stone, I think is actually a more loyal uh, telling of the King Arthur tale rather than the King Arthur guy. Richie movie that we saw because yeah. that was sort of more revisionist. Sword in the Stone is more, I guess, I, I don't want to say canonical, but it's, it's an actual Arthurian tale. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know what uh, the 28 days, uh, 28 weeks later, director will bring to it. It'll be an interesting take, I hope, because I like when the Disney adaptations do something fresh with their movies rather than doing uh, something verbatim. Yeah, for sure. And uh, one of Jacob's favorite movies of 2017 has finally been acquired. Uh, Jacob, tell us about it. Well, the film is Joseph Kahn's Bodied. And it's interesting because if it was released in 2017, it would have been in my top 10. And it would have been serious contention for the t- number one spot. It's that good. And it won the Audience Award at the Toronto Film Festival, won the Audience Award at Fantastic Fest, and won the Audience Award at uh, AFI Fest. Uh, so it's a movie that audiences love. And I saw it with a crowd, and it was an incredible experience. So it's weird that it's been bought by YouTube. Wait, wh- wh- <laughs> why, why has this movie taken so long? If it's such an audience favorite, if it's such a home run, why is so few people, why is no dis- studio willing to pick this up and it has to land in the lap of YouTube? Uh, at the risk of being a little coarse, it's because it has huge, gigantic balls. <laughs> it is. Um, I, apo- I apologize for that, but I, it is one of the nerviest, bravest, uh, most gleefully offensive movies I've ever seen. The basic gist of it is about a uh, progressive, upper-class, white college student who starts studying the world of underground rap battles uh, and becomes really interested in writing a thesis paper on it. And gets involved and learns he's actually really, really good at underground rap battling. And it sounds like a kind of a, a way to have like sort of a cliched, oh, look at this white guy, learn how to be black storyline, which we've seen before. But it ends up just opening the door for being a movie about free speech, what it is, how we allow it, um, how progressive, how how people who act progressive are sometimes um, toxic in the way they, 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 they try to um, be ahead of the times. It's about race, about sexuality, it's about gender. And nothing is off limits. The movie goes after everything, uh, while at the same time being open to all concepts. It is just this, I described it before as a Molotov cocktail movie. It's just picking up this explosive and throwing it at everything that we uh, don't want to talk about. Uh, whatever, whatever that is, it's, it's tackled in this movie. And it's done really stylishly, and, and it's really funny. And it's uh, it manages to... They get you stand, standing up and cheering in one scene, like cringing, like wanting to crawl inside yourself in the next scene. I don't want to say, I don't, I don't know how much I can say because I, I want to see it again before I can speak too much about it because it's such a landmine, a minefield, I'm sorry, of of stuff that most movies are afraid to even go near. And it is a fascinating, funny movie. And YouTube is saying they're going to give it a theatrical release. Uh, they, they haven't specified when or how or how large uh, before they release it on YouTube Red. So my suggestion is that if it is playing near you, go see it with an audience. This is a this is a movie that you need to see with a group of people who are going to be cheering and laughing and screaming and um, gasping. And if you do watch on YouTube, get get it on a big screen, uh, big screen as you can, and bring in a lot of friends. I, I do feel like YouTube is actually kind of a canny move because so much of the movie is about artists who find their fame on YouTube, people who whose rap battles or skills have become 
viral or make them social media sensations. So it actually ties in very closely uh, to that culture. And I think that uh, people who are actually possibly in this culture in real life may actually uh, find something to, something to appreciate in that. Uh, but if you have the chance, uh, don't watch this on your computer, watch it in a theater. But at the same time, if every other distributor in town didn't want to touch this because they were scared of it, all I'll have it off the YouTube because it's it's that good and it's also that risky. And that does it for today's news. Uh, where can we find more of your work online, Jacob? I'm on SlashFilm.com every single day, and I'm on Twitter at Jacob S. Hall. How about you, HT? You can find me at SlashFilm.com, and I'm on Twitter at HTranBooey. And Chris, where can we find you? I am also at SlashFilm.com. What a coincidence. I'm also on Twitter <laughs> at CEvangelista413. Uh, you can find me at Slash Home on Twitter. By the way, thank you for all the hundreds of uh, well wishes, get well, everything I've received on social media. It's been uh, very um, uh, heartwarming uh, to have that kind of response from you guys. Uh, you can r- find all the stories we talked about today on Slash You can find this podcast, Slash Home Daily, published on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, all the popular podcasts uh, apps every weekday um you know please feel free to send us an, e- an email at peter at slash film.com send us your feedback questions for the mailbag comments concerns right there and um please leave your general geographic location along with the email in case we mention it on the air please go rate and review this podcast on itunes that helps us out quite a bit tell your friends and we will see you tomorrow